Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday evening, beginning at 6 p.m. Central, right here in Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Each week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. Starting March 7th, I'll be adding the Coach's Corner panel to the mix, beginning the show with a great discussion, followed by an insightful interview with this evening's guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's special guest. All right, thank you everybody uh, once again for joining me tonight live here on Golf Talk Live. Uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, to bring this broadcast each and every week, and I appreciate uh, all of your continued uh, listenership, if you will, and uh, very excited to, uh, to have my special guest tonight. But just a couple of quick announcements uh, before we get started, and then I'll introduce my guest, and, and we'll get into tonight's uh, program. Um, just to remind you, of course, uh, for the next couple of weeks, um, I'll be just doing an hour-long broadcast uh, with my very special guests each week, and then on March the 7th, uh, as it said in the intro, uh, we'll be kicking into the full broadcast, uh, which will be two hours. The first hour, of course, I'll be bringing back the uh, Coach's Corner panel this season. Uh, and then on the second hour, I'll be um, interviewing my, my special guest like I am tonight. So uh, right now, it's just an hour broadcast as I sort of get warmed up for the beginning of the season. And then we'll get into the full uh, broadcast uh, beginning March 7th. So you want to make sure you tune back in. Uh, on that week uh, as well when we begin uh, with some of the great panel discussions that we have each and every season. So I hope you'll tune in. And at the end of the show, of course, on, as I close out the program, I'll give you some other great ways uh, that you can tune into the show, some other uh, great social media platforms uh, that you can keep in touch and so forth. And don't forget, I always want to hear from you. You're welcome to call in anytime during our live broadcast. The number is area code 646-716-4667. Uh, or you're certainly welcome to email me any questions or comments. Uh, to me personally at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. So as I mentioned, I've got a great guest tonight. Uh, joining me is uh, Robert Moylan. He's a licensed clinical professional counselor and author of several books, including Mastering the Psychology of Golf with Emotional Core Therapy. And he was on several seasons ago uh, talking about his first book, of course, Emotional Core Therapy. And uh, he wanted to come back on, and I'm glad to have him here. Uh, just a little bit more about him. He graduated from Northwestern University. Uh, he has an MA plus an additional 84 hours of graduate studies. Uh, as I mentioned, he's a licensed clinical professional counselor and also a letter winner in wrestling from Northwestern in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, it was also a Chicago Park District boxing champion uh, and a three-time finalist. Uh, in addition to playing tennis in high school, uh, he also coached high school tennis and wrestling. And he's also a single-digit handicap golfer, so obviously a very uh, accomplished player and I'm sure that uh, not only will we help with your game in uh, the actual playing, but we're going to talk a little bit about how to keep your emotions and so forth in check tonight. So let me welcome my very special guest, uh, Robert Moylan. Good evening. Uh, thanks, Ted. Nice to uh, chat with you here. I'm glad to be on the show. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, as always, uh, thank you for coming on. And, and it's always a very interesting discussion that we have. And and I'm really looking forward to tonight. So let, let's talk about, uh, you actually have uh, a number of books out there. And uh, I just want to read a little bit more here, and then we'll, we'll get into our discussion. As I mentioned, uh, your, your first book, Emotional Core Therapy, was top-rated book on Amazon.com in 2014 in two care, uh, categories, uh, mental health and emotions. Uh, you also wrote a book for teens called Emotional Core Therapy for Adolescents, 
which was also ranked uh, number seventh in the same category. And your third book, of course, was Mastering uh, the Psychology of Golf with Emotional Core Therapy, so which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. Um, and so you, you've obviously um, are, are dealing with uh, an area that most golfers probably, other than the professionals, really don't focus on. Everybody's sort of out in the driving range, you know, trying to uh, you know perfect their their uh, their hitting game, if you will. Uh, but there's a, another side of the game, and we want to talk a little bit about that tonight. So just talk about a little bit why you put together uh, the first book, Emotional Core Therapy. Uh, well, I really owe my life basically to mental health counselors myself. I'm, I'm 57 years old, but I grew up in the city. One, my mom actually had 13 children, one before us, so a total of 14 children. And my father passed away, unfortunately, when I was 12 years old in the fire. So I grew up pretty much without a lot of resources. Uh, the resources, we, you know, I basically lived in a impoverished area. We had one bathroom for all those children, if you could believe that. But I, right. I used my brain to kind of help me get out of the neighborhood and, you know, uh, better myself, but sports was a great way to do it, a great tool. So I picked up boxing as a teenager. I had about 25, 30 fights in a ring, and then I, and that was during my high, my, my junior high, high school years. And I, and I wrestled also during the same time. And after that, um, ended up, you know, being ranked one number one in the state. Wrestled a Big Ten. I actually took fifth in the colleges, all the colleges in Illinois. It was about a 25, 30 team tournament. So I had some success there. I really don't mem- remember much of the successes that I had. I, I really don't think about it much. It's more the pain, the suffering that I endured through boxing and wrestling. I mean, I, re- I wrestled, you know, basically national high national champions, all Americans, things like that. And they really take it to right. you. Uh, to, they give you a beating like you, like you want to remember. You remember these <laughs> beatings for a day, you know? So I learned through suffering right. and got a great deal, you know, how to, how to get back on the horse, so to speak. And, um, then I, I ended up playing tennis, you know, I was a high school tennis player, but I, I played tennis competitively for a few years after college. I enjoyed it. You know, um, I think for me, it's really, I have an obligation to help humanity. I, that's how I view it. See, I, I discovered the root cause of stress. I have a model that effectively treats any stress on the golf course and off the golf course, but it's really, it's much broader than, you know, golf. Golf, I might talk, you know, use a little bit during the day here or there, you know, for years and years. My sports psychology practice is a small, small component of what I really do, which is more addictions counseling, mental health counseling, families, individuals, et cetera. But what really, right. Ted, it's about really weakening people. People are really weakened by stress. They don't understand what's going on. And I really, I really came up with this approach years ago, maybe 15 years ago, but I was able to, with money, put it into resources. And I'm now I've written seven books, mostly on the same topic of, mm-hmm. of stress. What is stress? How to deal with it, whether it's sports or you know, addictions. I, I've now published in 16 journals. I, I cover topics like cigarette addiction, eating disorders, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, things like that. Uh, so basically, it, you know how it, worked, it work, works like this, Ted? It looks like, like entering data in the computer. Any stress you have on the golf course or off the golf course, you can, you can input into my eight-step model and get back to a peaceful state. That's never been done before. And it's really, unfortunately, it's really even done now. People don't understand I think the, that's why I'm that's why I'm pretty outspoken about you know putting this out there. Most of my stuff is all free. It's on my blog, Robert Boylan blog. Uh, just Google that or EmotionalCoreTherapy.com. Kindle the Kindle version has my books for free, unlimited too. So, and even one of my books is a published manuscript in a journal. So most people can access this stuff for free. I also have an hour training video, and I've been on some other shows that are online, so people can access this. Uh, you know, even down in Florida where you're at, uh, there's a you know. A large population that suffer an addiction. So I've been, I've had to been, you know, speaking and been, been in some uh, journals out there, just talking about, you know, ways to combat the stress. 
you know, people don't really know about stress and it weakens them. So going back to golf, you know, out there in Florida, you, have, you know, just like Illinois here, we have a lot of uh, talented young players and they, you know, they may get injured, you know, they may have financial difficulties, they may have stress at home, uh, families, et cetera. They may even be very talented right. to go off to college and, you know, feel the isolation in, at school and stuff and not be able to, and, and wonder what's going on. But all stress, Ted, goes back to the four emotions. There's only four emotions that cause the body stress. So golfers are fascinated when they find out there's only four. And when they can learn to identify <laughs> and release those four, that's the key to life. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit about those four emotions. Let's sort of break them down a little bit. You can explain what each of them are and, and maybe a little bit of how they affect us in, in many ways. Sure, sure. Because when you watch people on TV, like I like I see Jason Day, how he stays calm before a shot. He's trying to basically, you know, do what's probably coined mindfulness. Most every professional athlete probably knows mindfulness. Most most of these pros have psychologists that help them out here and there. And this, this, the things I teach, the techniques I use in my book are all commonplace psychology techniques that most people use from time to time. I just organize them in a manner. I never, I haven't discovered anything new. I don't put anything new out there, like say hypnosis or Reiki or biofeedback, and I've developed my own term of stress. What I just is organize the principles into easy to read fashion. So uh, what happens is this, there's four emotions and they are joy, grief, fear, relief. My, I, I have acronyms for my eight steps and for the emotions too. So the acronym is really just get for real, just get, you know, just get for real. Basically joy is just, get is uh, grief, four is uh, uh, fear, and then relief is uh, real. Relief, you know, most people can understand relief is just going to the bathroom when you feel bloated four or five times a day, you feel that way. The idea is to right. embrace these four emotions, whatever they are. So, for example, what really happens that, that I see for these young people is that they, you know, for golfers, for example, they maybe hit the ball great in the bay on the driver range, right? They may be just hitting the ball like Cameron Champ, 320 yards, 330 yards, be fascinated. And then they, then they get on the course and they have difficulty. They get away from their families, et cetera. And what's really going on is that the, their perceptions are one. Everybody's perception is different about what they what they what they hit for a shot. I mean, what they're what they're what they're seeing. Even Tiger Woods gets upset in the course. The idea is that once right. you have a once you have a relaxed, mindful state of being, you are learning to release these emotions each shot and resetting each shot. And so, like, let's look, let's forget about golf for a second. Let's take basketball because it's really quicker. You hit a shot and you miss it. You better run back down in defense and forget about that shot and get back to a peaceful state and learn to play defense. You know what I mean? You can't sit there and, you know, uh, uh, you know, get angry about it for a long time. You see what I'm saying? You have to reset, stay calm. Yeah. Well, and you know, maybe, maybe uh, tennis is a, a similar thing. You, you hit a, you miss a, a backhand, right? Well, you have to go back and set up for a next serve, you see? So you have to reset, reset quicker. In golf, it's a little bit slower, but your emotions still affect you. And it's really, it's really not just on the golf, you know, with the golf game, it, it could be outside of the golf course. It could be, you know, say you're playing really well for, Say you have a good putt, good sand shot, a good uh, good driver, but say your long irons are are causing you trouble. So you're you know you might be able to shoot under par, two under par, except for your long irons. You don't have a, a good a good uh, good form there. So you're maybe three over, and you're upset about that. Well, what's the key? The key is it's emotional. You know, learn from that grief, embrace the embrace that, get back to the range. You know, stay calm. You know, don't get upset at yourself. When we talk about emotions, you know, it, it, I, every one of my books has a chapter on anger. See, it's almost impossible to learn from anger while it's happening. Like, for example, I used to get angry in a, in a sandbucker because I don't have a good sandbucker game. Well, guess what? 
I had to learn to stay calm. It, underlying each anger, each time you have anger, it's really just grief. It's just sadness. So once you get in touch with that sadness, you can learn from it. You can try something different. So you can change your grip, your stance, et cetera. And, it, and golf is mostly a trial and error process. That's why what, when you look at these golf pros like Hank Haney, uh, guys like that, they can't fix anybody's swing in one try. They take three, four, five tries. You see what I'm saying? So you have to be patient with them and yep. work with your pros, that type of thing. So the idea, again, is like what weakens golfers is the emotion. It, it, it not, 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 I wouldn't say weaken it, but it, it can alter their central nervous system. So the emotions alter the central nervous system. That's what causes the body stress. Even too much joy could be bad for a golfer. Say you hit a great drive, you're excited. Well, if your next shot is a bunker shot that's really delicate, you have yep. to calm your central nervous system down before your shot. I think that's why you see most professional golfers are really pretty much even keel, you know, like a Luke Donald out there, or, you know, even a Freddie Couples. They're, they're known for staying calm because if you stay calm, you don't get too up or down, you're, you're going to do a little bit better uh, job with your emotions. Now, that's not, that's not always the case because you see how Tiger gets excited with his putting and things like that. Tiger's just a very talented sure. guy, you know. So, so, but the rest <laughs> of us human beings, we all, we, we all have stress, whether it's on the golf course or on, off the golf course. And the whole idea is to manage it well. Um, and so, the, the, again, the process is to, you know, when you have a relaxed state of being, and mindfulness is a good example of as anything, is staying calm. That's, that's what I call my eighth step. What you do is you flush out the stress each shot and get back to a peaceful state. That's why the, my tools are pretty much invaluable to any, any athlete, especially golfers. You know, what's interesting that you mentioned, I just want to go back to something that you said a few moments ago about, uh, you know, on the range and then transitioning into the golf course. Um, you know, Cindy and I, uh, my co-host on another program that I do on Tuesday mornings called The Women of Golf, talked about this. In fact, just this past week, we talked about it. And that sort of transition from, uh, you know, practice tee out in the golf course creates a lot of anxiety uh, for many, many, especially amateurs. Um, you know, they get those first tee jitters. Uh, the adrenaline's mm -hmm. pumping, and they get out there, and you know, instead of hitting those nice, beautiful drives or uh, you know, pitch shots that they were once doing on the range a few minutes ago, now they're spraying it all over the fairway. So a lot of anxiety and stress, as you said, comes in. So what do you think it is? Now, obviously, the pros, as you mentioned, have access to um, therapists and things like that that they can consult with, and and most of us out there don't have that, you know, at the snap of a finger when we're playing our golf, um, but. Mm -hmm. What do you think traditionally separates sort of professionals and how they handle their emotions on the golf course from our amateurs? What are they doing differently that we can learn from? I think I think they're practicing better. I think practice makes perfect. If you look at amateurs, you, you, what, what they do is they don't replicate what really happens on the golf course. And uh, I'll give you an example too. Sometimes, sometimes amateurs will wear headphones on the golf course, but if you can't wear headphones on the on the course itself, why would you wear them on the driving range? I mean, so if you're on the driving range wearing headphones and just maybe hitting, uh, maybe hitting irons or drives off, uh, you know, off the, off the, off the grass, is that really going to replicate what really happens on the course? No. So basically practice, practice makes perfect, so to speak, is the analogy I would use. You want to replicate that as much as possible. What I really tell golfers is to, you know, and I've always taught over the years is like, say you're around the chipping green or around the bunker to try to rotate yourself each day when you're practicing around a different part of the green so you have different lies. So, so you might have an uphill lie chip one day and then a sidehill lie another one. That's going to help you with what's called anxiety. What you're talking about, Ted, is anticipatory anxiety or being overwhelmed. You're, 
your sense of self is overwhelmed. Right. It's excess, excess of fear. And we don't want that. And so I think what happens is, you know, I, by the way, I've worked with golfers specifically on that thing that you're talking about. A pro golfer really is like, right. I just get overwhelmed with first tee. And, it's, it, 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 and so you, it's, it's sort of like the same analogy to being afraid of snakes. You know what I mean? How do you treat that? You just have to go, you know, one step at a time and work to overcome it. But the, so the key is to identify the fear. So if you have fear about something, you have to examine what's really going on. A, a lot of pr- people practice, I would say, uh, improperly. You know, you have, to, you have to practice different lies, not just hitting on a perfect lie of, uh, you know, on a driver range. So that's not going to replicate an uphill, downhill lie, thick, rough, uh, in, in a real course. Do you see what I'm saying? So I would try to, right. if you're on the range, I would go to, I, I, when, I, when I practice or I tell people, teach people how to, we're working on playing, I go to a lie that's uphill and downhill lie. You know, like, like a, uh, at the end of the driving range, there might be a little hill there practice those lies because you're going to need those lies on the course you see and that's that's what <laughs> right. people stress right there that's part of it that's part of it you know i'm what you know what you make a good point like even talking about this because i see a lot of talented talented players they're shooting like high school kids shooting 69 70s they go off to college they're shooting 73 74s only second team you know maybe need not even making all conference you wonder what happens what really happens is they're not used to an emotional com- uh, component they have a good support family uh, at home, you know, maybe the, uh, their financial situation is good. Maybe their friends and family are nearby. They go off to college in a, lonely, in a dorm room. They're traveling, you know what I mean? And they're getting beat for the first time, yeah. you know. And that's a lot of what happened to me when I was unhappy when I was younger. But I see this over time with people. Everybody's different about what they happen to them as far as stress. So you have to respect the individual needs of each player. For me, I just listen to what, what goes on with them. You know, I say, what's really, you know, why are you here? What, what's happening? And I, I try to get an inventory of, of their stress. Generally, what we do, Ted, is we rate stress from 1 to 10. So, you know, if you're on the course and you're, you know, if you can stay within 1 to 3 as far as your stress level, I'm happy. It's, 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 you know, I'm excited, but it's just a 3 or 4. I hit a, I hit a great drive, best drive in, you know, last couple of days. But I learned to let it go and not get too, not get too excited. If you're excited or ecstatic that might go to a five or seven as far as joy goes you don't really want that because you have to calm yourself down for the next shot um you know look at Roy McIlroy a few years ago at the Masters he just got overwhelmed you know it was clear as emotion yeah. got the better of him and he lost the tournament well what's really what he didn't do properly was reset you know he's a very talented player um but I think what I see with youngsters is that they get overwhelmed on the course because they really don't have all the shots that they have that they're supposed to have anyways even let's take go back to you know hitting the bunker shots when, when, I'm, when I'm in the bunker and I'm telling people to practice in the bunker or watching them play, you have to rotate, you know, uphill lies, downhill lies, you know, that type of stuff. You have to rotate the texture of the bunker, you know, wet sand, you know, soft sand, et cetera, because these things come into play, you know. So the driver range can give you a inaccurate view of, of what's really reality as far as you're playing. You can be hitting the ball perfect on the driver range. How does that really translate to different uh, courses? It's a different story. You know, mm. you see what I'm saying? Right. So, Idea, the, right. idea that, the, the idea, again, is to, you know, what really weakens pay, people is the grief and fear. And so we don't want grief and fear. Grief and fear can cause the body, you know, uh, a lot of stress. Anger is just a reaction to grief. We certainly don't want that. And on, if you're having anger on the course, you really can't even, you know, it's hard to even play and react to that, you know. So the idea is to learn to, learn to you know, Identify it quickly. Maybe if you have a caddy, if you're a professional golfer or an amateur partner, you talk to your caddy, you joke it out. My book has a bunch of techniques. So you go, we go chapter by chapter and we, you know, we discuss ways to release your emotions. So what we know what, you know what the key would be like, say you're on a golf course, you can't do music. You can't, one of my best ways that I release emotions is just 
sitting and doing Chinese massage, a full body massage. I can let out all my emotions just just by the simple touch of having that happen. Or else, basically, what you can do on the course is talk to your caddy, joke around, you know, maybe look at the sky, uh, you know, the water, the plants, you know what I mean? Just maybe take some deep rest. There's a lot of, there's different techniques you can use, but you have to get used to using those techniques and they have to, they have to work for you, you know? Um, key to those techniques right. is to see, see what you, how your body's responding, you know? So, so for example, if I have trouble, you know, hitting out of the rough and I have a lot of anxiety about that, well, the idea then is to go back to practice out of the rough, you know, until I have less anxiety. You see what I'm saying? Right. And anxiety and, and the key, you're exactly right. Right. You're, you're exactly right. You know, one of the things that, that we always talk about as professionals is, you know, to, to practice with a purpose. And, you know, you're exactly right in your analogy earlier is that a lot of amateurs don't really have any sort of, uh, uh, you know, purpose in, in their practice. They're just sort of, you know, going here and there or they're doing things that they're not likely going to be repetitive out in the golf course. Um, you know, one of the other things, too, that I, I think that really separates and, and again, uh, we've talked about this many times in our show is, you know, having a, a good pre-shot routine, which we see on television with a lot of the professionals, is they're very consistent. And that also, I think, I think you would agree, helps keep their emotions in check. They get prepared for the shot uh, um, and doing the same routine with a consistency helps them sort of, um, you know, for instance, if they've hit a bad shot and they're now stepping up, uh, you know, to hit their third shot, that routine, that pre-shot routine allows them a time to sort of calm themselves back down, regroup, if you will, and refocus on the task at hand. This is something that, uh, uh, you know, Bob, I think you would agree with that a lot of amateurs don't do on a consistent, regular basis. So when they do have, uh, you know, as we all do, have some mishaps on the golf course, they're not allowing themselves to take time. So are, are there things that you would suggest um, that they do as they're coming up to the shot that would maybe help them create that, that good pre-shot routine and help them calm themselves back down. Yeah. I would stay with that just for a second. The pre-shot routine is just absolutely essential in golf. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. And I, I would say your vast majority of amateurs just don't do it, you know, but you, you, right. you're, you know, you're anybody on the web.com professionals, but even your college players will, will mostly be doing this stuff. You have to get the blood flowing to the specific joints that need it. So I was watching, I was on golf, I was on the golf channel today watching Cameron Champ hit the ball 340 yards on one drive. But what's happening before that? He takes this nice pre-shot routine, a couple of swings where he's getting the blood flow into his shoulders and hips. You know, uh, John Rahm is a, was quoted as saying he uses his big muscles, his shoulders and his, uh, his, uh, his hips when he swings. The power of this golf swing is mostly in the shoulders and hips. You know what I mean? That's where the real turn is going. In. And so you have to get blood flow into that. And so I think that, that right. for example, let's, let's say with the drive, for example, you can't just walk up on, on, onto a, uh, a golf course, they say the first hole, maybe the fifth hole, et cetera, take the club out of your bag and, you know, maybe take a half swing or, you know, and then swing the ball. What, you have, what, have, what you're doing there is you're shocking the central nervous system, you know, the blood flow. When you, right. take it, when you have a nice pre-shot routine, it's basically muscle memory. Muscles go into to the uh, blood and water. Blood, you're, what are the muscles made up of blood and water? You're getting that circulatory system moving in the correct manner, you know, so there's a memory there, you know, so that's really important to do. Mm -hmm. And by, by the way, it's not just a, a good drive. For example, if you look on tour, all the, all these pros, they're only averaging 60% fairways, you know what I mean? What they do, what, because, right. you know, what, what, what factors come into play? Narrow fairways. I was watching the, you know, the game, again, the, uh, the, 
the pro tournament today, the fairway was 20 yards wide, I think, in one, one, one part that I saw. You know, the, what they do, what they, they spray the ball a little bit here, do it, but they hit it so far, that's one thing that happened. But, you know, they have to deal with weather. Like, it was pouring rain and out today, okay? And they still had to play within it, you know? And they, I, saw, I saw Phil Mickelson, you know, fly a bunker shot into the other bunker. He had, he had three bunkers on one hole. But the idea is that, um, you know, generally speaking, when you, when you do a pre-shot routine like you're talking about, you're getting blood flow into the specific joints. You're replicating. You're, you're doing some good visualization, too, you know, which I like to do, you know, and you're emptying your mind. All these things need to take place to hit a good shot. It's, it's sort of like doing a, a ballet, a pirouette, you know. You see the whole audience in front of you and a, and a, and a young lady does a triple pirouette where she's circling around. It's, it's so graceful. But really, that's what golfers mm-hmm. do. I mean, they, a, golf, a good golfer like Roy McIlroy will hit a drive 320 yards but then you see him out of the bunker and he has this great touch, you know, to hit that nice bunker shot or a chip. Yep. And, and what they, their pre-shot routine is certainly part of it. But behind that goes years and years of practice that, that come into play. You're just, when we talk about pros, we're talking to the cream of the crop. And you sure it's good to talk about the, the, the 200 guys on tour or, or including web.com European tour. But really for every, every golfer, the golf game is a, it's a, it's a gift to in my eyes to play golf for anybody. And, you know, you have your, 80-year-old retiree out there in Florida, he's walking on the course tomorrow. It's a gift for him to play. What is he doing that's so pleasurable? He's getting sure. oxygen in the joints. He's walking. I, I I always joke with my clients, like, well, if you were a puppy dog, what kind of puppy dog would you be? I'd be a little beagle, but, you know, if you're a Doberman pincher, you got to keep moving in life. You don't right. want to have, it, you know, have a sedentary <laughs> life. You know, people that sit in the office all right. day, they're getting stiff in their joints. Golf replicates a lot of what human beings need to do to to survive and to stay strong. And that is, you know, keep the blood flowing, keep moving, stay erect. These are all positive things. And I'm not biased towards golf in any way. I, if you like tennis, if you like bowling, I support everybody in each what they're doing. I think for me, it's my, my reason for being on this show is say, for example, I'm in a golf show tonight, but it's, if somebody told me to do a tennis show tomorrow, do a bowling show the next day, a cheerleading right. show the next day, an addiction show, I would do those because my obligation to help people for Cause I had the knowledge that, of what really is the root cause of stress and I can help people with this stuff. So anybody that is listening tonight to your show and and in the future, and all they have to do is basically, you know, my, again, it's, but my materials are basically free. They can, they can go on my blog and look at them or they can go on Amazon and you can master this approach. Typically though, Ted, it takes between five to 20 hours or more. I would say on average for my clients to really learn this about 30 hours to learn, you know, the, to master the approach, what it means. Because what you have to do, Ted, is you have to learn about what stress is, what what the environment, what what, envir- what in the environment is causing you stress, and then how to, and then mm. keep that in your long term memory. This takes time. So what we're really doing over time is just being you know, really supportive with people. You know, see, some people might want to learn two parts of the eight steps. Some might want to learn it one month, quit for six months, come back later. You have to be non-judgmental and accepting of people. Um, I, I was, what, what's the perfect example? I was thinking about something before I got on the show today. Like when my daughter, my daughter, when she, when she was born, she was like one and a half years old. When she started crawling and walking, she went, she went backwards. You know what I mean? She didn't crawl forward. She would walk backwards. So I'd watch her get stuck underneath the couch backwards. I lift up the couch. You know what I mean? You know, but I didn't, I, I, didn't, right. I didn't yell at my kid. You know what I mean? That she, you, you love your child right. and you have to really treat people the same way with love and compassion because people are going to make mistakes. So the idea is that, if they're ready to learn, they want to change, you know, you're there for them. So when I'm on the range, if I see 20 people, I don't really say anything to anybody and let, they come up to me or people want to get to know me, they call me, et cetera, and then I'm willing to help them. Most people have to suffer basically 
fear and grief. Those are the two emotions that are debilitating for people. Anger is basically grief too, but they can come because they're anger issues too. But pain, psychic pain is what's going to make people change, generally speaking. For example, if you have a great job, you know, you're happy, you're not going to want to look at other jobs probably. You're not going to want to look at relocating this or that. But if you hate your job, you might want to change. So that's a, that's a good analogy. Well, it's the same with the golf swing. If you're, if you're having trouble out of the bunker and you can't score because of that, well, then you might seek somebody seek some help from a golf professional. If you're having trouble with your emotions, then you might seek help from a sports psychology person like myself. Um, but these are all avenues that are out there more and more for people. The idea is to identify that you first have a problem. That's difficult for some people. Right. And I think another thing, too, um, Bob, that a lot of golfers have is, um, you know, obviously we talked about the pre-shot routine, which is important. But um, another thing that we see a lot of times, and there, there's really kind of two different scenarios here, but um, – you know, business folks, as an example, a lot of times they're bringing their, their work onto the golf course and, you know, they want to come out, maybe play a quick nine or something before work. Uh, and they've got an important sales meeting in the afternoon. So they're, they're running through that presentation in their mind. And at the same time, they're trying to play golf and they wonder why they're not playing very well or not scoring very well. And that's because they've got too much baggage, if you will, that they're bringing to the golf course. And conversely, you know, somebody else that's maybe out there and they're having some, some personal issues, maybe financial issues or maybe marital issues or what have you. And they're bringing a lot of that anxiety and that stress out to the golf course. So those are some areas as well that affects all of us at some point uh, in various different ways. Um, what do you say to folks like that? How do, how do they sort of decompress, if you will, um, before they get out there uh, on the golf course, what what would you suggest when they yeah. heading to the range? Maybe they're going to warm up for a little by uh, a little bit uh, before they actually get out in their round. What what advice would you give them there? Right, well, you make, that was a that's a great uh, uh, depiction of what uh, what happens to a lot of people. And I would I would first say, what does it take to be a good golfer? I think golfers are pretty much people like a landscaper or a, a, a plumber. They're they're earthy people. And they stay within themselves, right. you know, shutting the shot. You know, you often hear athlete, uh, pro football players, you know, coaches say one play at a time, one down at a time. You really have to have that man, uh, mentality of staying in the here and now, which is what mindfulness is, you know, basically it's in the here and now. You know, what mindfulness really is, uh, the idea that you stay calm, listen to your breathing. You can feel your breathing, okay? And it's, it's a good way to reset. Now, what, ha- what you're talking about, and what, what, what golfers really have to do as far as performing well is stay within the moment for each shot. So I hit a drive. Mm-hmm. Sure, I hit that drive. I have to let that drive go, empty it completely so it's in the rearview mirror, and reset for my next shot yep. with maybe a, a short iron, okay? And I have to once I hit that short iron, I have to let go of those emotions, you know, the emotions that occur to hit my next shot with maybe a chip or a, a putt. Now, going back to the scenario where somebody's overwhelmed, you know, that's why – what you, what you really have to do to be an effective golfer is master the emotions on the course and off the course. My golf psychology book, by yep. the way, each chapter covers scenarios on the golf course, but it also has one section in each chapter for off the golf course. And coincidentally, what happens is once you have a relaxed state of being, all you have to do is go to the chapter in my book that's causing you stress. So, for example, chapter two is grief. Okay, Chapter three is, is, right. is basically sadness or depression. Chapter four is anxiety, which is just fear or dread. And then you have a chapter on anger. We have a chapter on relationships, like what you're, exactly what you're talking about, you know, stress with families, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So what you're, what you're looking at really, again, is that somebody that's caring, that hasn't really learned ECT yet. ECT is about every situation you're doing, you're taking responsibility for on and off the course. So you, I, the idea is that 
um, emotions are you you can't turn them on and off like you think. If you if you do, you'll forget about them. You forget how you're you're trying to you're training your body to so what is what is really emotional core therapy? It's a it's a way to monitor your body for stress. So stress is what alters the, the golf swing. So we don't really want that. So the idea is you really have to own the the process and and learn to take care of yourself off the golf course. You know, and go back. Let's let's say for a second, like some of these pros, they have young kids that's at home, maybe you know two to five years old, they play on the course for eight, 10 hours. They have to go, go home, change diapers. The wife bosses around, do the dishes, et cetera, and they're overburdened. Well, that's actually what you're talking about. Somebody's at work, he's got things going right. on in his mind. He's really not ready for golf. And I think, what can he do? And a good example, um, you know, I, if music calms you down, that's fine. Uh, you know, there's, you know, I, my book talks about 20, 30 ways to relax. Uh, you might want to, you know, stretch out, get the blood flowing. You, you, you really might want to redirect one's one, you know, talk to somebody about a topic that's away from golf. Uh, it, 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 the best way to do it is identify what stress we have that's off the course, talk about it, embrace it, and then try to put it past you, which is kind of difficult, you know. And going back to this, again, golfers have, you know, even your best golfers out there, your old, little older ones, maybe a, a Freddie Couples, BJ Singh, things like that. Well, you, you know, people listening to this show, they might be 40, 50 years old. They may have injuries. Injuries are a good example of of what can happen to a yep. golfer. Your swing may not be where it's at because of a slight uh, hip strain or a slight shoulder strain. You know, I, uh, I, I see this all the time. The golfers get upset because they have month, uh, you know, a month where they're just in a lot of pain. They're walking in pain, et cetera, and that affects them the same as anything else. The idea is to treat each stress you have, whether it's injury, whether it's the weather, whether it's a, you know, a kid at home sick, you know, and, and really isolate those variables work to identify them as much as possible and then and then and address them before you get on the course. Again, what we're really talking about being to, what is it to be a good golfer to stay in the moment, you know, to embrace the trees, the beauty of the, the you know, we listen to most golfers, they appreciate being on the course. I golf with professionals, you know, weekly throughout the over the past five or seven years. And uh, you know, what do they all have in common? They really love what they do and appreciate it. They love being out there, seeing the beauty of the golf courses. You know, playing different golf courses. You know, the the challenge of it all, the beauty of it all, the clubhouse, etc. There's a lot of beauty out there that they're privileged to play. It it really is a privilege to play. I think in a lot of ways, golf. You know, so you have to have that. You have to live in the moment. The more you can live in the moment, is uh, better for you. You know, my book is really a process. It's a it's a, the the learn psychology is a process. To to master it is a process. But say, for example, you know, you're a great golfer. You know, you you've mastered East emotional core therapy. That doesn't guarantee anything, Ted. All it means is that you can take ownership of yep. the next shot. You see what I'm saying? So nobody guarantees, there's no right. guarantee in life for any of us. You know, we can go out the next day and twist our hip and be injured for six months or a year, you know, and that's, that's the reality of, of life on and off the course. I think the idea is to not take anything for granted, to stay in the moment as much as possible. Um, and I think, you know, you know, what I've done over the years is I've really listened to my clients. I have a lot of, uh, Hindu clients, Indian clients, Islamic clients. And I've bought, so psychology has only been around for maybe 120, 130 years, but religions have been around for, you know, a couple thousand years. And what you've seen is, uh, right. you know, I, what I, I, I have books to cover the, the five basic religions and how they, the, the religions have, have for years tried to calm the, the central nervous system down. They have different approaches they've used to try to relax. Prayer, prayer is another example. It's, it's probably the most well-researched besides mindfulness, a way to calm down. And, you know, you listen to Kevin Streamland talks about how prayer helps them, et cetera. You have people that use prayer as a way right. to relax. That's another thing to do. But I, the idea is that is that when you know what it is, 
Ted, when you can learn to relax and stay calm, you're going to make better decisions. So to start where this conversation came from a few minutes ago, the guy that was hurried off the course, what he's not going to be able to do, when he's overwhelmed, he's not going to make as good decisions as someone that's calm. You know, do I need a seven iron or eight iron for this shot? What what does it take for that? You have to stay in the moment, feel the wind, you know. I, I, you know, how can you tell where the wind's coming from? I, I, I feel it between both my ears. You know, you can look at the, you could throw some grass up in the air. You could look at the trees. There's a lot of different ways. But if you don't know the wind on a golf course, that's a problem. You know what I mean? If you don't know the distance, that's another problem too. You know, if you don't know the elevation right. of the green, these are all factors that, that come into play. But it comes from staying in the moment. So what 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 people on see when the golfers on TV is they're making all these calculations. It's basically, I, I would describe it as like a, a jigsaw puzzle they're solving. They're very good at it where you you know, somebody that doesn't know anything about golf would would just be overwhelmed. You know, these guys are meticulous about what they do. They have their their books in their pocket about the greens, with the way they're lied, the way they have the distance there. They have a caddy helps them that walks the course before things like that. And so the rest of us are over. You know, we all get a little overwhelmed from time to time when we get on a course. You know, every time I've ever played, I've been upset, hurt, sad. You know, that's just the life. But it's a it's like a merry ground go round ride that we want to go back on every time you know what i mean like a little kid it's fun you know <laughs> right right and, and you know something else too that, that that's a great point you know something else too that i think um you know a lot of golfers could could really take a cue from and, and you you just talked about it is you know what the pros do bob when they're when they're out there on the golf course before they even get up to their shot is they're gathering information you know they're looking as you said, they're they're looking to see what the wind's doing, um, whether it be throwing some grass in the air or feeling it, uh, you know, on their on their presence. Um, they're looking for for obstacles that are out in the golf course. Where's the bunkers? You know, where's out of bounds? So they're they're doing an information gathering, uh, and obviously, you know, they're reading their their yardage books and so forth. But uh, and obviously, their caddy gives a, a tremendous input. But um, you know, this is something that again, going back to, to your earlier point uh, in the beginning about that transition from range to to golf course you know if you're practicing the same shot every time uh, on the on the practice tee and you're not really changing things up somewhat then when you get out there and you're faced with a different situation it's just going to fall apart and i think this is what happens as well so you know, that's a great point. What I, would you... I would like to say that for a second. That's really the key of golf is really mastering the, the poor emotions. The, the, there's four emotions, joy, grief, fear, relief. The idea and this take a step back, Ted, is really to master, to embrace the grief and fear. OK, so what happens is the way you want to gather information. For example, nobody's won the U.S. Open on the driving range, you know, or the British Open. No, <laughs> they win it on the golf course. So. How does right. how does Tiger he, he's won a lot of majors or Phil Mickelson or Rory why have they done so well they've been on the golf course gathering information for years and years and, and what they've done is learn to know what what brings them joy what what golf shots to hit so the idea is that when they miss a shot they own it go back and figure it out and I think that comes back to embracing all four emotions for example when I the truth of any champion Ted is this to embrace the bad like the good. You know, the, the, I always say to my clients, the worst thing is the best thing. You know why? It's an opportunity to learn. So we're learning constantly from the four emotions, joy, grief, fear, relief. There's only four. So let's go back to this uh, so we see this, Ted. There's, I give two examples in my book. There's a teacher on a school ground. She has to watch four kids. And there's another teacher in the next school ground about a couple miles away. She has to watch 150 kids. 
So who has the easier job? The one for four, right? Obviously. Right. You see what I'm saying? See, the other one for 150, sure. her, 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 her brain is scrambled. She's running around for chasing after this kid, this kid. She doesn't know where she's at. So it's much easier to watch four kids versus 150. Well, that's how the emotions are. Another example would be, say, you, say you're a, you know, a miner and you had to go on the, on, the, on the beach to find precious metals. And one miner has to only find four, mine, four metals, you know, and the other one has to find 150. Who has the easier job? The one for four. So when you can learn your, sure. that there's only four emotions and learn how your body responds to them, that's the key. What really happens, I hate to say this, is people don't, uh, they, they have these debilitating emotions and they go back off the course. Unfortunately, I think, I, I hate to say this, for golfers, I see a lot of drinking out there, substance abuse, smoking, cigarettes. I would say right. half the golfers I see out there are, are drowning themselves in these emotions and they don't work. And they, they say sometimes they may come to me afterwards and say, yeah, I tried this for years or years. It doesn't work. I've tried this medication. So what happens is medications change your perception, not your reality. So if I'm in the bunker again, right. I, that's a bit about the bunker. Let's say I'm trying to chip the ball and I, I'm not good at chipping. So if I take medications for that or I drink some, you know, two, six ounce or eight ounce glasses of beer, you know, that's just going to numb my four emotions, <laughs> the joy, fear, relief. It's not going to change my reality. I right. still have to hit that shot. So golfers, again, yeah. are, are are really breed of, you know, humans that like to persevere. And so the idea is that, to embrace those four emotions. So what happens, let's go back to, you know, a golfer that really wants to win and be well. He wants to be the champion of, down, of the seniors down there in Florida. What is he doing differently that other people are not doing? On the course, he's taking information about what he's missing, and he's going back and fixing it. The way to fix it is on the range, you know. Say you, say you have, again, all your shots except you don't have a uh, – you know, your, your driver is spraying a little bit. It's costing you two shots around. Well, the idea then is to go back to that range, you know, in time and, and to work on it slowly and, and build that driver up to where it's, you can stand the test of time. But what do champ, what again, what do champions do? They have to embrace the bad and learn from it because then they make the bad the good, you see? So right. I, we, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a practical example that I used a couple of years ago. I, uh, you know, I was on my, I was, I was basically walking down the hallway and I was, wasn't thinking I had actually, one morning, I tried taking this melatonin to go to sleep. The first time I ever took it, I was a little drowsy. Just walked, and I tripped over this carpet that was kind of, you know, what, uh, uh, you know, fluffed up. I fell down 20 stairs, and I, I cracked, I cracked my rib, and I knocked out my tooth. Wow. And and the pain, the pain was so bad, I couldn't laugh or cry. When I laughed or cough, I felt like I had to go to the hospital. So it was a pain for a couple of months. But I had to embrace that. Even when I was getting my tooth fixed, and it hurt like heck, I had to try a couple. Uh, implants it didn't take and ended up doing the bridge i had to embrace that you know why that was how i learned so from now I, i'm 57 years old i i have bifocals so i have to grab the railing every time i walk down the stairs i don't ever want that pain again and i certainly don't want to go to the dentist and have implants again so i have to i brush my teeth etc so you have to when you get older you realize you have to learn this stuff you know it's funny i love talking to older people 60 70 80 most of them know right these four emotions they, they, they like you know i know that yeah i got that i can tell you I go, what are the four true emotions? They go, this, 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 and I go, you're pretty damn close, you know? Um, I think we have a duty, though, as, a, as adults to help young people with this because they do, they do kind of give up on themselves earlier. They, that, that pain gets them so bad, they, they try other things in life. That's what, you know, that, that's my passion is to help people live a full life. If golf is a tool they want to use to comfort themselves and have as a way to relax, that's, that's all fine, you know? And that's, that's more power to them. And that's, that's what basically we do as human beings. Some people might like gardening. Yeah. Some people might like you know, going shopping. Whatever people need to calm themselves down and have a good day, well, we have to support that process. 
Right. You know, just a quick point I want to make about when you're talking about juniors and, and that, you know, one of the other things that, you know, it's hard enough that they're learning to control their emotions, but now they've got to carry their parents' emotions out in the golf course as well. You get some of these junior golfers and their parents, it's like the, you know, on the, on the sidelines of the soccer field and they're, you know, they're not cheering them on, but they're, they're actually almost trying to control them while they're out in the golf course. And that creates a lot of anxiety. So that's a, a big issue right now in the golf industry and has been for years that they're trying to overcome um, as an instructor. And that is to really, you know, you want the parents to be involved, but at the same time, you know, you want them to understand that there's a process that their kid needs to go through in order to become a better golfer. And you on the sideline is not going to help. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, I, I want to ask you a question r- real quick that's here. That's, I'll, and, say that, um, I'll say with that for a good, I'll say with that for a second. good point, because what happens is a good coach is very supportive of people. Like my, my daughter is 22 years old sure. now. She went through all that as a cheerleader. Um, and, I'll, you know, I wish I could rescue her and say, listen, don't do these bad things. All our, our children, all our, all, even, you know, whether or not our children are going to make their mistakes, all we can do as parents, right. and the best way to do it, I, I never raised my voice in my daughter in 22 years. I was just, I was always supportive of her. I I give her my book when she was younger, when she had difficulties, right. you know, and, um, and what, what we do is basically uh, say, you know, what's that relationship you're choosing doing for you? Is it going to bring you joy, grief, or relief, learn to monitor your body. And again, going back to my daughter, when she was homesick from college, she was stressed out. She, somebody had stolen her computer and she was a computer major. She had all this stress and she turned out to be a great kid, made honors, et cetera. And golfers, you know, what we can, what I, what I was always do is supportive of her or the process. And I would say, you know, most, most people go through the same things you're going through. I, the idea of, of, you know, if parents are overwhelming their kids, you know, hopefully, and I've seen this before too, you know, have the kids talk to someone about what's really going on. Say, I know you're trying to support them, but ultimately, ultimately each person is a, you know, a separate vessel. You know what I mean? And the more you can right. teach them to, to, not, to do that themselves, to overcome and learn themselves, well, that's a key thing. I have three books for teens, Ted. I have a book for uh, regular students. That are, I, all my books come, are some for agnostic people, uh, atheists, and I, have different, I cover different religions. Whether you're, I have books for Christians, but I also have books for Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, et cetera. So, cause you know, I would say in the United States, 70% of people are spiritual in, in one form or another, at least, maybe 75. Sure. 60% are identified as Christians. So I use that as their basis. But if they're not religion, we certainly support that. But the idea then is, and it's a great point, to teach people when they're younger. Ten, I, I do my, I, my teen books, I've gone out to schools for years, and I've, I've been able to teach the kids themselves. So what I do, I have 150, 175 kids in a room, and we can give them each a chapter of the book, and they can teach themselves. I would give them the microphone. They talk about the emotions. That empowers them. The idea is to, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to have all kids throughout the United States you know, and throughout the world, learn these, learn these, learn this, these emotions and how to handle them when they're younger, because invariably we all suffer stress and it weakens us tremendously. So the more we can identify and release it is key. The key word I use, uh, Ted, is catharsis, cleansing of the soul. So you have these emotions, joy, grief, fear, relief, and grief and fear can be debilitating, so can anger. Just like you're brushing your teeth, learn to release them and identify them. So going back to the parent, if the parent's causing you under stress, the, 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 the young golfer hopefully has a vehicle there where he can talk to someone about that and, have, and basically then articulate to his parents, I know you mean well, but this is kind of what, what I need to do myself. You know? So, again, we're not looking at something that can happen in a day. Usually, even my, I work with young people, maybe junior high, high school, et cetera, occasionally. But you're, you're probably looking at, you know, again, 5 to 10 to 15 hours with a therapist working on this process, and, and it takes time to learn it. You have to 
if you're going to learn about psychology, you have to give yourself time to learn it, to identify it, and use it on your own body first, and then, then go and then you can teach the world about it. You know, so here I am now with you the second time on the show. Hopefully you can help other people with this. It takes a little time, you know. So you go, say right. you learn most of the aspects of it, you can go back and, uh, you know, piecemeal give it to them, and they can, they can get better. Right. Let me ask you a question here as we get to – close to the end of our time um you know for for those of us that are fortunate down here in, in florida and, and other parts of of the country that are a little bit south if you will and, and can play pretty much all year round um those that are up north like yourself and you know northeast and northwest where they're not able to get out on the golf course quite yet what can what would you say to them what can they do now i mean everybody's you know they, they might go to an indoor facility to to work on the, the physical part of their game but is there something that they can be doing now before golf season starts to really kick off for them that they can be doing to right, to right. get themselves emotionally emotionally prepared um to, to start the season you make a couple great points you know i talked to a bunch of the top pros around here they don't like hitting off the match a lot of them it doesn't replicate some of the things you have to do like take a divot after the ball etc it can hurt your swing to be on the mats a lot. You know, you can get, you can jar your, your elbows and shoulders. So you'd be surprised how a lot of people right. don't like to hit. Like indoors, there's a lot of driving ranges, but it can actually hurt your swing. Everybody's different about what they can and can't do. Uh, I just got out of right. the gym today after two hours. I, a lot of people, I, I know pros or whatever, they're working on their physical aspects right now. Surprisingly, just, you know, out here in the Midwest, you know, we play golf in 40 degrees, 50 degrees. I actually prefer playing yeah. golf in 60 and 60 degrees versus 90 because the humidity out here, okay, it's so hot. Yeah. It's just, you know, you know, it's hard to swing. But what, what you can do is you can, you know, this is a good time to learn, especially take care of your body, you know, get get in good shape. And that that's where personal trainers are important that especially can replicate the golf swing. There's different pulls and things they can use that are helpful for golfers. You know, why wait? Let them do bench presses and squats if it doesn't help your golf game. Do you see what I'm saying? Talk to a golf right. pro. I mean, a, 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 a physical therapy guy that certified can help golf you get fitness. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly that can help you help you with the golf swing that gets replicated on the course for golfers okay you can also i think it's a great time to learn the mental game and apply the mental game it's fantastic that's where if you really want to challenge yourself that's a good thing to do is learn learn about emotions how to deal with them identify them and that's another thing you can do too i think also diet is important you know if you're gonna if you're gonna play golf sure. you know in, in two or three days you have to be able to stay in shape. So there's different things you need to do cardio wise, you know, stretching, things like that. These are all tools you can do. I would say even talking to pros, if you want to, if you want to be a good golfer, one of the best things you do is, you know, take lessons from a guy that can shoot scratch golf, you know, that knows that's been there, that he's gotten that level or, or below par, you know, has played on tour, things like that. What has he done? What has he done or she done that's got them successful? Listen to them. And then that talk, you know, hopefully you can be open I say, I rephrase, you're as sick as your secrets. You should be able to, you need to be able to tell the people that are mentoring you everything that's going on with you. You can't hold anything back, you know, and that's the, that's the whole trick. The more you can be open about your emotions, about what's really bothering you, well, then you're going to have data to learn from. You see what I'm saying? And my, when people walk in right. my door, I say, this is a non-judgmental zone. So when you tell me whatever's on your mind, because then we can learn from it. You know what I mean? And so we go from there. And, we're, and, and I practice this myself because I'm just a struggling human being. We're all walking wounded, so to speak, you know, especially golfers. I don't know any golfer that's not very humble that doesn't know that they can have a bad day. I play with, again, some of the top pros in Illinois, local pros, and I can see them shoot 82 some days or 
or two under par. Right. You know, so they have to really, they have to really accept themselves. You know what I mean? And sure, they're upset about it, but they they certainly have to regroup in time for the next day. You know, and and, and certainly let that go right. so it doesn't affect their family life, doesn't affect their customers and things like that. Well, how does that occur? It, I think it all comes back from not getting too up or up or down to to have a belief in yourself. Have a belief. Have some have some goals outside of golf that give you support. Have a good family support system. You know, have a good working environment. You know, things that a support system is essential. You see what I'm saying? So that's what supports you and who yep. you are and, and support them yep. in, in turn. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, um, you know, I, I think that as we get ready to, you know, start a, a new season for a lot of folks, I think you're, you're exactly right. Now is the time to be working on some of those things. And, you know, a lot of times you can reflect to, the previous season and kind of, you know, if you've been kind of keeping your own stats from the previous season, you kind of look through and, and evaluate how you did last year. Um, not just with, with the shots that you hit, but just how you handled yourself. And, and when you had a bad round, you know, go through that and think about how you, uh, you know, how you handled your emotions through that round. And, you know, some of the pros now have, you know, I've heard them talk about and I've read articles where, you know, they will actually um, do things out in the golf course. And, and i was talking about this on Tuesday, but uh, the player escapes my mind, but there was an article that was done and he talked about where the, the two second rule and what he does is when he does something that he feels that, that anger, uh, he's got two seconds to sort of eject that emotion and then he moves on. So instead of, you know, belaboring that, that point uh, or that, that feeling uh, he sort of ejects it from his body in, in two seconds, you know, he gets angry, upset with that shot but then he moves on and he regroups and, and goes through the process again. So I think there's things that we can do. Um, and, and, you know, that may not work for everybody, but, you know, obviously that's something that that particular player has, has found has been successful uh, in handling his uh, emotions out, out on the golf course. So um, Bob, I want to give you, a, I've really enjoyed the conversation tonight and we've got to wrap up, unfortunately, but I want to give you an opportunity uh, just to let the folks know again where they can uh, go to get more information if they want to reach out to you and, and where they can read more information online and also where they can get uh, any of your, your books. Sure. Uh, and again, I want to thank you so much for having this opportunity to, to uh, talk with you and your, uh, and your audience about, about emotions. Uh, basically, you can, get, you can get any of my information on my website, emotionalcoretherapy.com is a good place to go. I have a blog on there. You can just Google Robin Moreland blog. It has my it has my books. It has my links to Amazon. It has Amazon.com has my seven books listed there and a lot of my links too. My published journal articles are out there also on uh, on my blog and on Amazon. So they're all there's videos out there too on YouTube. Just to Google emotional core therapy. If you Google that, it'll come up right away. And uh, and, and going back to one last thing, there's no such thing as a bad question. You basically whatever any golfer is going through, you know, you you hope you have to have a uh, you have, there's a there's a there's an answer for it if it's temporary in nature and and it goes back to my eight step flow chart. Once you can master the eight step flow chart of identifying and releasing stress, what because there's a cause and effect relationship with stress, uh, Ted. So any stressful event, right? There's an A and a B, a beginning and an end. Well, my approach is the only one in the world that actually does that unless you learn to release it. So once you give yourself the time to master the emotions, it's going to help you on and off the golf course. That's really what we want and. It goes back to what uh, I said before. It's a privilege to be on your show. It's a privilege to serve yourself. And it, mm. it, all, it all goes back to service. I serve the needs of you and your community. You serve the same needs. And we, mm. have, a, we have a duty right. to, to bring the best techniques out there. Emotional core therapy is just a pen name for proper psychology techniques. It's, it's what I've done over the years is go to Barnes & Nobles and all these bookstores and all these 
journals and come up with good techniques to identify stress and put them all together in an organized fashion that's simple so people can read it, you know, not some psychobabble that they can't understand. <laughs> right, right. And that's uh, and that's definitely important uh, in this day and time to to be able to have it as simple as possible. Well, Bob, I want to thank you very much for, for joining me again on, on Golf Talk Live. Again, it's been a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you tonight. And and uh, hopefully the audience will will pick up some good information and and uh, hopefully they will uh, go and visit your website and, and order uh, uh, some of your books as well. Uh, at the very least, go and get some information. There's a lot of good stuff there. So thank you, Bob, for, for coming on, and you're welcome to come back anytime. Thank you so much, Ted, and you have a great day. Good luck. All right, you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, Robert Moylan, uh, again, licensed uh, clinician, professional counselor, uh, and author of several books, including Mastering the Psychology of Golf with Emotional Core Therapy. And uh, as he mentioned, if you go to emotionalcorethérapy.com, you can get all the information, all the links there, uh, or you can go to uh, uh, Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com, uh, and all of his books, uh, of course, uh, are listed there. Um, again, I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you for tuning in faithfully each and every week. And uh, remember that uh, on March 7th, we'll be bringing back uh, the Coach's Corner panel segment, uh, so you want to make sure you come back for that. And in the meantime, over the next uh, couple of weeks or so, until that time comes, uh, I'll just do my uh, what I call Golf Talk Live light with just uh, an, an hour uh, broadcast with my very special guest. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day uh, for all of you uh, folks out there. I hope you had a good uh, day today and, and, and able to spend some special time with that loved one of yours. And uh, I will see you next week here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. Or listen on any of the following social media platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.